Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hey folks, welcome back to Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. I'm glad we're here in the new year, 2022, although uh, uh, the bad side is it's the third year of the pandemic in a different form. So hopefully we can get through this year and, and finally put this thing to rest. It would be nice. All right, so we got a lot of wonderful shows coming up here in the month of January. We're going to be doing a show with... Uh, uh, a number of uh, poets, some interviews. Uh, I want to do a, a show on Aerial Chart uh, about the magazine, about some of the things we've achieved already, uh, some of the, the interesting stories behind the scenes, uh, things about the, the literary scene in general where it comes to uh, literary uh, you know, poetry and, and fiction on, on an online journal. But tonight's episode is going to be Agents as Stepping Stones. Now, last year in 2021, I spent the entire year putting together uh, a friction uh, story uh, book. Uh, it's pretty much what they used to, what they now call novel and, and, and fiction or novel and stories, where you have a series of interconnected stories that become like a novel, uh, and they all have different uh, tangents about that about that novel. In this case, it's about uh, espionage and the Cold War and the military, mental illness, and a number of subjects that w- that go together. So it's called uh, Something uh, Happens When We Die and um, Shopping Around for Agents, which brings us to this episode here and some of the things I've learned so far. Agents as Stepping Stones. Now, uh, I'll be completely honest. Um, I don't even know if I would have went to this path again. It wasn't the fact that my first uh, agent had passed away after about 25 years I had it on my first book. Um, she's no longer with us, so I have to start over again. And I, last couple months now, I've been learning as much as I can and, and sending out all the queries. And we're going to talk about that, about all the things that I've gone through already with that, all the things you need to to use agents for, so that you can learn the process and you know get successful on, on maybe some of the projects you want to do. They're not just uh, agents, and not just for the big publishers. They're for any real publisher out there that. They're really looking for some quality work, and they just feel that having an agent involved uh, kind of helps them guarantee that. So even some of the bigger independents like uh, Skyhorse or, or even some of the academic presses actually uh, require agents or, or prefer them. All right, so let's go on uh, to the first um, of, let me see here, one, two, three, four, five, six. We got six different uh, sections in this show. The first one is, you know, why do I need an agent? So what's the need? Well, Quite simply, many of the publishers, especially some of the medium and the larger ones, they, they really they really expect this and, and, and absolutely require it because they simply believe that the agent is the best filter for them on giving them the highest quality material. That's one of the major reasons. But there's also the other reasons, a more practical one. It's not always one that everyone wants to hear, especially as writers, but nevertheless, it's, it's the truth. You know, they also expect the agents to help them filter out the things that 
they might feel are going to be less profitable for them or less successful. Because, unfortunately, you got to keep in mind that the agents have to really consider uh, what the publishers are looking for. And if that means that they're looking for the fifth version of The Hunger Games or the 10,000 versions of Tom Sawyer with a, you know, a thigh cast and, and a Cambodian sheriff or something, then that's, that's what they're going to be trying to get out of people. And that's what they're going to be trying to deliver to the publishers. And we'll talk a little bit further about this uh, particular situation as we go along in the show. But ultimately, uh, the agent is not getting paid for what they do. And we'll also talk about the things to look for and how to not get a good agent. But just right now, we'll bring this up. Since they're not getting paid, you're not giving them a fee, they're not charging you for anything. It's a lot of work for them to be doing all this, so naturally they want to try to get the best manuscript that's going to get the, the, you know, the quickest or at least a decent sale for them because that's their job. They get paid by that commission, that 15% of what you get as a, uh, um, an upfront fee or, you know, uh, or possibly just whatever you make in the royalty. This is what they're getting. So, you know, they obviously they have to consider that. They, they, they don't really have a choice. I mean, it's not always a great thing to have to hear as a writer that there's a business involved, but, you know, this is what it is. Uh, you call the thing you wrote in your house a manuscript, and maybe you even call it a book, but, you know, in the end to them, it's it's a product, and it's either a product that's going to make them some money, and therefore use some money, or, or not. It's, they don't really have a whole lot of middle ground. Middle ground is normally, uh, you know, a, a half... Half nice rejection letter. <laughs> That's the middle ground. Yeah, I like your work, but uh, you know it doesn't fit my list. So, otherwise, it's a very black and white situation. Either they feel it's going to be saleable or not. Now, understand this, okay? Before we go on to the next section, whether they feel it's saleable or not, the agent, or whether it is in truth saleable or not, does not necessarily mean there's anything wrong with you or the book. Or, or the entire subject. It could just be that they don't really see a whole lot of it out there. It's one of the most unusual, I guess you could say, um, business sectors of the world in where if something seems more unique, if something seems more original, it has less of a chance of being picked up than something that doesn't. If you know anything about writing movies and, and pitching them out there to, to agents and studios, it's the same thing. They, they, they want, they literally want a, a one sentence um, encapsulation of your entire manuscript or your entire screenplay that pretty much tells them that, yeah, this is related to that book that did well and it's kind of like the other one that did well. And they want to hear stuff like that. So if you come across as too original, too brilliant, too damn interesting, you might actually be in trouble. You might actually have lots of people. They simply say, no, I just don't want to take a chance in this because I haven't really seen anything like out there before that's sold. That's literally what they say, and that's literally how they feel. And unfortunately, this happens a lot. I don't, I don't say that as a downer. I'm just saying that that's something to keep in mind. So when we talk about writing the Curie Letter and, and some of the other things we're going to talk about in the show, that's one of the things that if you already know by doing some research, you don't have a lot that you can relate to on the book when they're actually that because in many of the applications or in the, the query letter it's, itself towards the end of it, they want you to cite one, two, three examples of some books that are similar to what you're doing. 
So the last thing you want to do is hit somebody over the head or push something in their face. No, there isn't anything out there out there. This is super incredibly original. That's not impressing anybody. So try to keep that in mind <laughs> as we go forward, okay? you got to try to find the, the happy medium of being interesting and unique and, and, and cutting edge, but at the same point, having something similar to something else out there that's sold. You don't have to be sold well. It doesn't have to be a super seller. Just something out there that's published at least, okay? Now, second section here is agent rules, all right? Agents have some unusual rules that are different than everybody else out there. Or one of the biggest things you're going to find is that most of the agencies and most of the agents that you can contact and talk to, uh, with, you know, with, through your email directly, do not want attachments. So please, unless they specifically tell you, yes, we want an attachment on your first, uh, you know, introduction to us, your first contact to us, don't do that. Just put everything inside the body of the email. You're going to find very few agents that want attachments up front. In fact, the only time they usually want attachments is later if they say, hey, I like what you talked about on the book and I want to see more. Maybe they want to see half the book as an attachment, a word attachment or PDF. Maybe they want the entire manuscript now as an attachment. But until they say otherwise, don't do it. Put everything in the body of the email. They're frightened to death of viruses, okay? Agents are more frightened of a virus on the computer than they are about the virus out on the streets called the COVID-19, okay? So that, that's, that's, and they'll literally tell you that up front. And if you do something like that, not only is it dumb because they will automatically delete you the minute they see an attachment, you know, they're gonna, um, they're not gonna be happy with that sort of thing because it's, it's, it's unprofessional. They're telling you what they expect. You need to do this. More than anybody else out there, in the uh, writing slash publishing slash literary industry, I mean, to break an agent rule on anything is just—it's just like suicide. What's the point of even doing all this? Why write the book if you're not listening to anything these people say? Okay, so let me give you a, a basic rundown of what some of the rules are. First rule: no attachments. Okay, there's some rare exceptions. You'll see it in there, and you can do it. But other than that, stick the email. Stick it inside the email. Second, of course, is a query letter. And we're going to talk about later on the show on how to write one. But in the meantime, one's written. Let's say, let's say you wrote it really good, okay? That query letter has to have a couple of key elements in it, all right? It has to have a general synopsis, short, maybe a paragraph, about the book. Uh, it has to tell you, say some of the specifics about the book. It's 150 pages. It's uh, 18,000 words or 50,000 words, whatever. Uh, it has to have a small bio about who you are. Talk about some of the things you might have written in the past, other books, or maybe even other pieces that are inside the book. Anything that shows some kind of publishing history. If you got any awards on writing, throw those in there as well. Okay? And then at the last piece of the, the query letter is usually what they call the comparisons, okay? Something you've done some market research on. Yeah, my book is, is, is along the lines of, you know, Scooby-Doo Friedman who wrote, you know, All Dogs Go to Heaven Part 5, all right? Or my book is similar to The Hunger Games uh, meets Godzilla, all right? Something like that. That's what they want to hear. Something that's happened out there that your book can be in that vein of, okay? And I tell people if they really think it's that original, then do not stress that at all in a query letter. Say something along the, the lines of the category, okay? Let's say you wrote a romantic thriller, and you can't, you can't find any romantic thriller out there that has the kind of storyline and angle that you have. 
All you gotta do is just quote three storylines or three three books uh, of romantic thrillers categories that are out there that have sold. Yeah, it's similar to long to these three books. At least you're saying something that's useful. You are in the same category, at least. Is it gonna be exactly or anything close to it? Probably not. And they'll they'll figure that out, or maybe they won't figure that out. But again, don't bring that up, not a good idea. Just try to stick to what they want to look. They want to know something that is along the lines of your book. That's the best you can do then, and that's the best you can do. All right? So that's going to be the first thing that's inside the body of your email is the query letter. Then underneath that will be a possible sample. Now, understand something. There are three things on, on, your, on your first introduction to an agent that they might be asking from you, okay? The very first thing is a query letter, okay? That's always, always the first thing they're going to ask, all right? Second thing is they're going to ask sometimes for a sample. Not everybody wants a sample, okay? Some of these agents just want the query letter, and then they'll contact you if they want a sample. But if they do want a sample along with the query letter, make sure that you follow what they're asking for, okay? Don't give them anything you want. Don't give them, hey, this is a good opportunity to give them half the book when they're only asking for five pages. Bad idea. Don't pee people off who you're trying to impress. You want to impress somebody with what you're writing? Well, the first thing you need to impress them about is what you're reading, that you read their rules and you respect their time and you respect their profession, okay? So if it just says five pages, then that's what you give them, down to the fifth page. If you got to count it, you got to count it. Oh, well. If it cuts off something that it sounds kind of dumb, unless it's a cliffhanger or something like that, you might have to give them four and a half pages or four pages or something. Just try to give them something that's cohesive. It has to be from the beginning of the book, folks, because that's what they're measuring when they're asking for this, okay? You can't say, I'm going to give them five pages around two-thirds of the book because I really think this part's exciting. That's all wonderful and everything, but they want to see if you already have the potential to draw somebody in, to make something interesting in the beginning of that book, because that's what they're worried about. They don't think a reader's ever going to care about getting to the two-thirds of the book if they really hate you the first five pages. That's what they're really saying when they're doing that. I, it might not sound fun to hear. It might not sound uh, pleasant to accept, but that's the truth. Okay? So don't give them in some other places. Unless the rules really say, just give us a couple sample chapters. That's up to you. But a lot of times, they want it from the beginning. That's what I would stick with. All right? They literally say that oftentimes. But even if they don't, I think it's a bad idea to give them the last three chapters. Makes no sense. All right? Now, that's the second thing they might ask for. Remember, always a query letter. That's always going to be the first thing to ask for. The second thing is they might actually ask for some sample pages. It's extremely wide on what they could ask for this when they do ask for a sample. So you have to really be careful on, on making sure that you're doing what they're asking. They can ask for five pages. You're going to find more times than not the standard is we want ten pages, first ten pages. Okay? They might even say something unusual like, um, we want the first three chapters or up to 25 pages. Depending on the, the chapter length or what you're doing, or even like a project like mine might could be a little bit more than I'm giving them, not more than 25 pages, but more of, you know, chapters, because it's more of a short fiction, each one is a chapter. 
You know, but you're still 25 pages. It gives them a whole lot. It gives you a lot. Some of them actually want uh, 50 pages. You're going to have a few that actually say 50 pages. Some other ones, I find this more in England and outside of the country uh, for agents. They want the entire manuscript automatically. They want the query letter and they want the entire manuscript in, in, a, in attachment, either Word or PDF. Boom. Sometimes they literally say just PDF and then you got to convert it. So you're going to get varying lengths of what, what they want. So I've, I've already done a number of these things. So I've done 5, 10, 25, 30, 50, the whole book. I've done just about every one of them you can think of so far in the last couple of weeks. Okay? So once you do that, the next thing you need to do, and it's real important to do this because, again, they already know, we're all adults, that you're going to have to multiply send out various query letters to various agents. Everybody knows this, okay? But it's still, they still want to feel special. It, to me, it's like it's like dating a girl, okay? I, I, I don't care how many girls you dated before this girl. And the girl isn't stupid. She knows you've dated other people before. It doesn't mean they just want to feel like another number. They still want to be addressed as that person. They still want to feel special, individualized. Why not? It's the same thing with an agent. So you want to make sure that either in the um, the subject line itself, where sometimes they give you special directions, you're mentioning the agent you want this to go to, and then, of course, where it says, dear, at the very beginning of this email, dear Mrs. Jefferson or whatever, you put the person's name in there too. Sometimes they want you to put it on the subject line. Pay attention to those particular directions. Every so often, you're going to come across an agent or uh, an agency that literally has specific directions just for the subject line. We'd like you to say, Corey, dash the name of your book, dash the name of the agent that you're trying to attract. They literally tell you this, and that's how you got to set it up. Others don't, but you're going to find some that do. Okay. Now, the rate of response from the agents could be anything from a week to six weeks to never. So sometimes they literally tell you, too, if we don't ever get a hold of you in six weeks, that means we wasn't interested. That's how they do it. They don't even have time for any kind of a reject type of email or letter back. All right? So that's how that works. You're going to also, and I suggest you do this, put together... Uh, if it's in the, just a little slapdash notebook, all the places that you send things to, okay? And how much you send it to. This is the date, this is the person's name, this is the name of the agency. Uh, this is what I did. I did a query letter plus uh, 10 pages, you know, under this category. Literary fiction, dark fiction, military fiction, historical fiction, whatever the heck you're doing. All right? Keep a track of that. It's extremely important, more than anything else that I've ever noticed in writing, because some of the agencies have a rule. If Mrs. Jefferson on our staff of 16 agents rejects you, don't send it to us anymore. We don't care. We're done with you. And others will say, hey, if Mrs. Stone gets back to you or, or doesn't respond to you in six weeks, you're free to talk to another one of our agents and send them a letter. So by tracking this stuff, that's something you can note. This way, when you get something rejected back and it comes back in that category, yeah, it didn't fit the list. Okay, now I know I can go send this out to the next person on that, you know, in that in that agency. So it gives you another chance. It gives you a couple of chances to maybe get somebody else's attention. All right, but at least you'll be following the rules, and that's what's important. All right. All right. Third chapter here in this whole thing. Third session in the. Uh, 
agents as stepping stones is the reality of what agents have to deal with, okay? That, uh, you can imagine now that uh, with email, even more than you know, you know, snail mail or postal mail, I mean, it's not hard for somebody, even by following all these rules, that literally they could be receiving hundreds of these queries in a week, maybe thousands in a month. So they got a lot to go through. And I'm sorry to say that you, like I, could spend a year or more on writing a book and all the work that it takes to revise it and edit it and all and proofread it and all of that stuff. And these people can literally decide the fate of all your work in, in maybe 30 seconds. So we'll talk about that right after this reality session about the query letter. But I'll tell you right now, the reality is that query letter has to be on time and perfect. I mean, I wrote mine nine times before I was, I was comfortable for what I did. And I looked at all kinds of examples is what I recommend to you right now. There are lots of free examples of query letters, even on the various categories. The query letter for a romantic novel, the query letter for a literary fiction, the query letter for a book of poems, blah, blah, blah. The 10,000 different categories, they have, they have sample query letters for free you get on the internet. Publish a bunch of them out, print them out, you know, and go look at them and study them and see some of the things they were trying to do. And then learn in and, in and, in and out of your book. The best way to write a query letter that I found is you look at all the examples that are out there, try to find one that matches close to your category, and then sit down and reread your book again. Let it go back into your system again. Remember, try to read it more as a reader now instead of the writer. Some things might pop out that didn't pop out before, but they'll help you to inform your query letter because your query letter has to be perfect. It has to be something that snatches them because if it doesn't, I promise you right now, they won't even get to the 5 or the 10 or the 20 pages they requested. They won't even read that far. They'll say, boop. You, you'll be getting the, the rejection form letter via digital uh, transmission. Boop. It'll be always the same thing. You're not. Uh, you're, you're, this doesn't fit a list. So you won't even know if your query letter sucked or not. We're not on your list because you can get that even on a great query letter. But I tell you right now, you'll get that a lot sooner if that query letter is not on time. So I've read, I've read writers that took two months just writing the letter. Now, the book's been done already. It wrote two months just for the letter. So it, it, it's, it takes a while to really master, and I'm sorry, but it's that important to these folks. With the short amount of time they have and all the things they have to do, if you're not grabbing them with that, you're just not going to grab them with anything else. That's just, that's just the way it is. So real important to make sure that's the best you can before you send some of these things out there. All right? Next reality is, remember, what you're giving them as that sample is the beginning of the book. You want to make sure that's going to be strong. All right? So if you're one of those writers that thought they were going to phase this book in some kind of, it kind of goes slow in the beginning and then picks up from there, this is not a good idea. Maybe if you want to go to an independent publisher that doesn't mind that, or maybe if you just want to, you know, publish it on your own or something like that, then that's not a problem. But these people, they're all looking for something quick and snappy. They're looking for fast pace. They're looking for something that's going to grab them, something that's going to slap them, something that's going to keep their attention. So it has to be strong. It has to be fast moving. You, you, you can't play around with it and expect it just going to see, yeah. I, I think um, the rest of this book's going to be great, and I'm going to request it now because you know, I was just really uh, non-mesmerized by this, but I'm just going to give them a chance. Uh, that's just, you know, 
like a bad Hallmark movie, but it's not reality. Reality is they're not going to give you a chance if you're not giving your best foot out there. You've got to be able to throw them a snowball right in their face. That's what you got to do. And wake them up to what you're doing. Because if you're not doing that, they're going to fall asleep. And then, you know, they're going to be reading everybody else's stuff. That is part of the reality of the agent. We mentioned this earlier, and I'll uh, press upon a little bit more now. It is a business. That person that's working at that agency, their job is to grab a couple books that they can get publishers to pick up. Maybe give you an advance, put it out there for you, so everybody can get paid and get royalties, and they can get paid. Because of people above them, people who own the agencies, this is what they're expecting. So... And I'm sorry to say this, and I'm telling you, if an agent listens to this right now, hopefully they don't consider this to be rude, because we're all talking about reality over here. But the truth of the matter is, is that what you're going to face as a writer is a series of people that you got to contact who are not going to be always risk-adverse. They're not. They're not going to be so many that take a chance on you. I'm sure you're going to hear a story now and then of people that do that, but it doesn't happen as much as you might think. I wish it did. But... These are agents that they can't afford to take too many risks. You know, they they gotta be able to, you know, to earn income for the for the agency. Who, by the way, is not paying them the same way that you're you're submitting the manuscript. Where it's like, yeah, we'll pay you once you make a sale. That they're, they're still getting a salary. <laughs> so you know, eventually the agent like to be able to see you know, the agency like to see their money back and more. And that's the whole point here. You know, if you think about it. Even at a good salary, it only takes an agent like you know probably two, three books sales to make that money back for the agency and more. So they need they need to make that count. So do your very best, and we're going to be talking about this here in the next uh, segment over here about query letters. Do your best to try to match as much as you can that something else that can be out there that's similar, and also. When you're reading about the descriptions of what the things that these agents might want. Okay? Sometimes you have to go bored because you just can't find anything else that's specific in what you want to do. And you just want to get it out to an agent. And you, you might have to do that now and then. But as much as you can do some research, they have a lot of interesting information on the internet, on their various bios. Sometimes they even put lists out, things I like versus things I don't like. You know? You got an agent that says, do not send me science fiction, but we'd like to see horror. I mean, that's that's like a no-brainer, you know? So you want to be able to you point out as much as possible and try to specify as much as possible. Try to target what these agents are doing with you as much as you can because that's going to increase your chances, going to make it a little easier for them to want to see more of your work. All right, query letter. We talked a little bit about this before. And I cannot stress the gravity of this situation. It is the gate opener to everything that's going on regarding your, your manuscript and your, and your book or, or your efforts on trying to get published. The query letter has to be great. You're going to see all kinds of examples out there. In fact, they, they have a list of ones on the internet that show the ones that were actually got the person the book to the agent to get picked up. And... You're not only learn so much from that, okay? That's why I was mentioned before, and we'll talk about this again. Just some of the basics of it. Everybody puts together these these query letters in their own 
type of fashion with their own spin, with their own personal, you know, story or own personal um, tone to it or their own little edge to it. And that's fine. That's probably what you should do. I can give you some of the formula information that needs to be in there because that's standard in the industry. You have to have that in there. You can't send a career letter without a synopsis. You can't send one in there without a short bio about yourself. You can't send one in there not giving them a comparison possibly of another book or two that could be out there similar to what you're trying to pitch to them. You can't do that. Those things have to be in there. But the rest of it you can kind of like put together on your own. You're going to see some amazing ones that... You say to yourself, how the hell did he even get an agent with this kind of a query letter? It seemed so lax of days ago. It seemed so effortlessly. It seemed so casual. You're like, damn, I don't understand that. So it could also be that, you know, they just grabbed the right agent at the right time. Or, you know, they just they just had that, that, that knack to do that. So and then maybe you could do that, too. We, we don't really know. It's going to be still a bit of a gamble, Okay. But it does come down to making sure that it's a page or under in, in terms of the length. I know it's going inside of an email, and it might seem like you can get away with more, but that's not a good idea. These people read this stuff all the time. They know if you're going too far and too much, and you don't want to be doing that. You want to try to keep it short, try to keep it sweet, and make sure that it's following what they want. Most of the times, the basics I told you about a query letter is what they're always going to say in, in, inside the agency for the directions of the, of the submission. It's always going to say that stuff. Sometimes they add a little bit more. Sometimes they want you to put a little bit about, well, what do you think your audience might be? You know, that sort of thing. You might get that in, in, in a regular email one that you have to send out. But that's where we're going to go further in this particular section. The email query... To the agent is not the only way this is going to get done. You're going to find a lot of agencies, okay, either have their own internal servers where you go in and fill in all of their stuff. And then you press the button and it submits right to them. And when you do this, there's going to be a lot more information that they're going to ask from you in that than a regular email query letter we just talked about. So you're going to see stuff like, yeah, can you break it down on, you know, what part of the category of literary fiction this is? Or um, you'll have them ask you more about what the audience could be. And then what could be the secondary audience? What can you do to help, you know, promote this? You know, social media, interviews, uh, lectures, you know, conferences, all of that. That they're going to have a lot of them ask these additional things that are not normally part of a query letter. Because what happens is you're going to have them in with their internal servers in the agency doing this, and it goes further. So you're pitching a lot more than just the book in many instances. Okay, uh, they um, a really popular one is called Query Manager, which a lot of agencies and agents are a part of as well, and that's the same type of thing. Where you're putting in your name, your address, all the information to contact you, and then you're writing all the stuff about the book. In many instances, either you're pasting or sometimes you actually have to take the sample that they want you to take, create a, a block inside of Word or PDF, and then upload that into that query manager. And then, of course, maybe give them ideas about the audience and stuff like that, and then send it. 
So those are the those are the really the three ways that you're going to be sending this thing because nobody takes snail mail anymore. It's, it's practically antiquated now. No, they don't want to mess with it. So everything is electronic. Either your basic query query uh, email, we put it inside the email and sending it to them directly, or you're doing an internal server one, where you're filling in a, a, a pre-formatted little area and then you press it and it automatically sends to them. And they'll send you an email back saying they received it. And or you're doing the query manager, which is a, a, a large, large system that you can also use to help find agents by looking under maybe ones you might want in a certain country or a certain state, or maybe you want to narrow down the agents that all do a certain particular category. These are the ones I, I want that deal with literary fiction. Let's go look at these first. That sort of thing. So those are the three ways that you can get your query letters out there. Okay, important that you have this information already put together. Okay, there's nothing worse than sitting there in front of a query manager with like five pages of stuff you got to be putting down there. You're like starting from scratch. You don't want to do that because every time you got to do this, you're going to be there for five hours to do like three query managers. So. If you don't have this information already pre-formatted on your computer that you can cut and paste and stick it in somewhere, and this is the first time you're doing it, then make sure you're, you're, you're cutting and pasting everything you wrote and putting it up to the side and saving it. Because you're going to need it to send it out to the next person. Okay? It's a good idea, too, to save 5 or 10 or 20 page blocks at the beginning of your of your book and put a file on that. This is the 10 page one. It's 10 pages. It's a 20 page sample, 5 page sample, that sort of thing. That's what you want to do then. You want to do that because it makes it that much easier. Because, you know, they'll tell you in, in, in query books and agent books and all kinds of stuff about it's not really just a numbers game. You should do your best to target it. And, and that's all true. You should do all the best you can to research. But you're only going to get so far with that because it's not like they're telling you exactly the type of book they want. And even if they just told you, this is the last 20 books that I, I've got help get published. I mean, nobody really has the funds to be buying everybody's agent's books that they get to get an idea and read it and to see what book they might want from you. You know, you only can do so much research on that. I mean, that's it. So, yeah, you can research it, but you only can get so far with it. In the end, sometimes you're going to have to make an educated guess based on what you got. And you're going to have to send some stuff in without knowing if they're going to like it or not. So it is, to a certain extent, a numbers game. Obviously, you know, you spend a year, a year and a half, two years on a book and, and sending out 10 emails to agents and trying to wait for two months. To me, it's not really a wise strategy. You should be sending out a lot more than that. A lot of people are going to reject you. That's just the way it is. So it's like anything else. You should be trying to cast the, the, the widest net possible as long as it, it makes sense, as, as long as you're doing something that is at least roughly targeted. Obviously, you don't want to be sending a book about military dudes to an agency or to a group of agents that they, they specialize in a lot of women's literature because that's not going to make any sense unless it's a bunch of women, you know, soldiers that you're writing about. It, it's, you're not going to have a good chance with that. So there is a lot of wisdom to the targeting thing. It's just understand that targeting doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean it's going to be a bullseye. It just means that you, it increases your chances, you know. You're going to get... Some agents that they just want youth literature. So obviously, giving an adult book not going to be helpful. You're going to get a lot now. They just want uh, stories about uh, 
about gay people or, or transgender stories or, or stories uh, uh, about uh, distant cultures or something. If your book isn't fitting along that line on anything like that, it's not a good person to be really trying to communicate with. You know, it's really no different than, you know, sending your poems or your fiction out to various magazines. You have to do some basic research. And a lot of these things I'm talking about, it's not like it's some secret stuff there in the, in the list that you're not going to notice. It's pretty glaring when they say, please don't send me a military storybook. Please don't send me a sci-fi book. Please don't send me stuff that's, you know, about straight white guys or something. I mean, they'll, they'll really tell you this sort of stuff. So it makes sense then, you know, to not do that. Just by sort of reading the guidelines that they have and, you know, the bios that they have uh, on these, uh, and these books and then sometimes uh, on, on the various websites. So it's not, it's not particularly difficult to do. It's a little extra work. Yeah, sure. But guess what? In the end, it's more than worth it because it saves you and, and them a whole lot of time. All right. All right. So next chapter of here, rejection. Yeah, I know. An exciting topic. All right, so rejection, I found a little bit different than some of the other writing things that are out there. So more times than not, you're all going to be getting that form letter, and they're going to just—they're going to be weighing on the the old chestnut that they always weigh on. This didn't fit my list. I'm sorry, folks. That can mean literally that the book just didn't fit the kind of stuff that person was doing. No matter what research you did, it still didn't fit. You got to take them at their word, and some of that's going to be true. They're not all just saying that. But more times than not, you're going to get people saying that just because it's in their form letter. It doesn't mean it's real. Because remember, it could be on many things. It could have been that they hated your query letter, so they never even got to your sample. It could have been that your query letter got them intrigued, and then your first five pages were slow. They needed 16 copies to finish three pages, and they just went to the bathroom and said, forget this. So, slow beginning part of the book conquered around and does this do anything for them so that's always a possibility there okay you're not going to get too many people that give you a personalized rejection letter although i got one so i mean it does happen i got one that literally said that they, they thought the story was unique and interesting they liked the way it was put together but they just they couldn't feel they could support the book they couldn't figure how they could sell it based on some of the things they've done already so it's nice to get that it is useful you would take that something seriously mainly because these people are very busy if they take any time at all to write you something outside of a form letter take that seriously okay it's not something that's trying to make them feel better it's not something that's trying to make you feel better they, they really went out of the way to say hey it's almost like saying don't give up so yeah I say don't give up no matter what but you get something like that you're, you're going in the right direction okay all right next and final chapter of this uh, exciting show here agents as stepping stones is the acceptance email now I know you're probably thinking in the back of your mind well we gotta have a section about acceptance I'm good to go now well that's the problem over there you're not good to go all right because the acceptance can mean a couple of things here. Acceptance can be they now want to see the rest of your book. That's great. Don't get me wrong. You need that. But you're not out of the woods yet. They can come back a month later and sorry, it didn't work out for us. Peace out. Good luck next time. You know? And it's not something you can really convey over to some other agent afterwards. 
Hey, you know, um, Jimmy over at, you know, Scooby-Doo Agency, um, they, you know, they requested my book. It's, you know, it's just, it, wasn't, it wasn't for them. But, you know, no one's giving you any points for that. All right? You can get something from that experience if they if they accept and they want it, they want you to read the book and then later on they, they said they you know it just it's not going to work for them because at least you know that two things have happened for you it means your correlator was all right because they accepted that and, and your sample was strong too so you know that you're going to have another chance down the line here because if you got through those two things with them and they asked for your whole book and hey you know Unless they offer you some advice, every so often that happens where they're like, I don't like this book, but we think you should look and try look into this. Or the, take that advice and try to revamp it. Look at anything. I'd say if someone wants your book and then later on they said that, you know, it's not, not going to be for them, you know, look over it again. Make sure there's something that you didn't miss before when you looked over it. And then go out there and, and do it again. Second part of acceptance is, hey, thank you for sending the book. We want to represent you. So, you know, you're signing a contract with them. It's still not done. Remember, they accepted you, but you haven't been accepted to be published yet. Their job is still to go out there and do that now. Now they got to go out there and say, hey, ba 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 ba. They still have to do that. So, I'm sorry to say, even in acceptance at this level, where they accepted your query letter, they accepted your sample, they accepted your book, and now they want to represent you, but, you know, you could still have a problem where, you know, they, they go to a bunch of publishers and they can't get it sold. So, it, that could still happen. It doesn't happen as much as you think because if they're willing to accept you, they're already feeling that, you know, they have a good chance of selling you. That's just the way they work. They, they just sort of know. But, it doesn't mean that it's not a, a, a perfect ending over here. That could still happen to you. That's what makes the whole process to be a bit stressful at times because it's like, man, when's this going to end? You know? <laughs> what ends when a publisher says that they want to they publish your book? That's when it ends. Then, then other, other than maybe, maybe you're doing some revising or some other additions or subtractions or revisions or rewriting or whatever they want I mean that then you know that's the end you got it and now it's, it's going to go on its path so even acceptance as you can see it's it's a multi it's multi stressful and, and multifaceted that way all right folks so we got a number of like I said great shows coming up here I'm expecting a few interviews we're going to do another show on aerial chart I got a couple other Ones we're going to do with uh, MindSpeak as well. So I'm excited for the for the new year. I'm excited for this book that I'm trying to get out there. It's a, it's a fun um, uh, mission to have to do it. And then, you know, I spent a whole year just trying to get it, you know, accepted and published out there. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the whole task of it all. It definitely gives you a, a real thrill to do this. It's a, it's a different feeling than anything else you're doing, that's for sure. I got a couple of the individual pieces published already from the book. I even have a... Um, and I was fortunate I had a, a university press not accept the book, but they gave me like a half page of compliments. Some of it I was able to use inside my query letter because it's, 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 it's valid and legitimate about what somebody's saying about the book. So and that was exciting and, and definitely an, another another blessing in you know in all of this. So you gotta try 
catch what you can catch and, and use it all. But that is it for this evening, folks, with uh, the show over here, Agents as Stepping Stones. Hopefully this is going to help you folks uh, moving on if you have a project that you want to do. You know our email address over here at, uh, you know, uh, strength to be human at uh, ravemail.com. Send me any other inquiries or questions you might have. Until next time, folks, this is Mark Anthony Rossi. Strength to be human. That was agents as stepping stones. God bless.